Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 11 Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst here at Football Outsiders. And with me this week, as he is every week, is Tom Strachan, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. On today's show, we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy for all of your Sunday games, as well as the Monday Night Football game. And speaking of season-long fantasy, are your season-long fantasy teams floundering at this point in the season? Just a few weeks left to get into the playoffs. If you're out of it, come play on Underdog Fantasy with us, even if you're not out of it. Come play Underdog. You can get a double your first deposit up to $100 using promo code OUTSIDERS. You can play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sites. You can even win fifty grand if you grab first place. Or try their Pick'em games, which are one of my favorites. You can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines, basically parlaying prop bets. And you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in the App Store and use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. Going into our first game of the week is Philadelphia at Atlanta, or at Philadelphia at Indianapolis. Don't know where I got Atlanta there. <laughs> uh, Eagles minus 6.5, coming off that loss to the Commanders on Monday night, 44-point total. You know those Eagles aren't happy about that loss, especially the way it ended with that that penalty that seemed to be the right call, but kind of just a weird-looking play where maybe he didn't know his knee was down. But uh, this Colts team's pretty good, though, defensively. Top five against the run, respectable against the pass, but only 29th against wide receiver one. So A.J. Brown coming off a quiet day where he got hurt in the beginning, wasn't sure if he was hurt after that, only had the one catch and four targets. I imagine he probably is, but is he worth the cost in DFS this week? 100%. And I think, you know, he's 8,000 so on DraftKings, so it's not a cheap play. But I think because, you know, this was a Monday night game, so the prices are set in advance of that game, so it can't fluctuate based on how much he played good or bad. But I think because of that, it's going to see, you're going to see a lot of people stay away from him. A lot of people will fade him on the back of a very poor performance where he had 1.7 PPR points or so. But like you said, the Colts ranked 29th against wide receiver ones. And now with Dallas Goddard gone down for the season, I'm sorry, at least onto IR, you know, AJ Brown's target share was already like in the high 20s. And it's clearly going to just mean more targets for him, more for Devonta Smith. They don't have a tight end who can really step up behind Dallas Goddard. So, yeah, I'm completely fine playing AJ Brown, completely fine playing um, Devonta Smith. Um, and, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see a good performance from Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, he's had steady performances, but he hasn't rushed for more than 28 rushing yards in four straight games. And it'd just be nice to see a real blow-up spot for him again. Yeah, I've really been a little bit down by his standards uh, since the beginning of the year. On the other side, Jonathan Taylor came back, had a big game last week. We know you can run on Philly, so he sees probably a pretty good play season long and daily. Uh, the surprise, though, for the Colts has been Paris Campbell. A popular waiver wire target this week, drafted in 2019, has not been able to stay healthy. But in Matt Ryan's last three starts, he has 32 total targets. I think at least eight catches in each. He's got a touchdown in each. Are you in or out on Campbell against a tough Philly team, though? We saw Terry McLaurin have a big game against him. Yeah, 100%. He's 4,300. And on DraftKings, the wide receiver pricing has been really tight lately. So anytime that we can find somebody somewhat reliable under $5,000 on there, we should be taking it. Yeah. 
with Sam Ellinger, Paris Campbell saw his targets drop down to 3.5 a game, but in his games with Matt Ryan over the last three, they've been averaging 5.9. But like you say, he scored touchdowns in all those games. And he's finished as the PPR wide receiver 9, 5, and 11. So he's been really consistent, really outperforming Michael Pittman in some ways. And I definitely expect him to be a popular pick this week. He's a guy I was big on the last two years. I think I drafted him towards the end of the drafts, and this year I didn't. Uh, had an eye on him, didn't start off too hot, and then has been great this year. So been a big surprise. Good to see it for him. This game was my best spread pick of the week in our staff picks. I think a handful of us picked Philly. Uh, Indy beat Las Vegas last week, but they're a train wreck of a team. Matt Ryan didn't come back and suddenly be the Matt Ryan of old. Uh, I think Vince Verhow on our co-ranking show said, he only threw deep twice. They were both incomplete. He had a long run that was two yards longer than his age of 37. Uh, so really not a ton to like. They didn't come out and blow the world away. I like Philadelphia to cover. I do think Indy can get on the board, though. They seemed a little uh, rejuvenated maybe with Jeff Saturday there. Coach, I'll go over 44, uh, but Philly to cover, win it, and uh, I guess a little bit over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you pretty much on all of that. I've gone with you over just because I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be at a run all over the Eagles. Um particularly whilst they're missing John, uh, Jordan Davis. They seem to be quite vulnerable. So, yep, yeah. all agreed. Yep. Moving on to a rematch from just a few weeks ago, AFC East. Currently, all four of those teams are in the playoffs if the season ended today. We've got the Jets, plus three at New England, 38-point total. Now, both James Robinson and Michael Carter scored against Buffalo last time out. Robinson through the air, Carter on the ground. Now, they had the bye week to get Robinson a little bit more integrated. He'd been there a couple of weeks, but that bye week just gives them some extra time to, to draw some new things up. Who do you think is the better play this time around between the two? I do think Michael Carter is probably the stronger play of the two. I think, you know, he looked really good. He looked really explosive. And whilst they were getting James Robinson involved and giving them the same kind of amount of snaps, it just feels like Carter's got slightly more juice, whether that's with the familiar, familiarity with the scheme or whether... It's just he's more suited to the scheme. Um, but it's also like the Jets are invested in Michael Carter. He will be there next year. It's very unlikely James Robinson will be there next year. So I do kind of just lead towards Michael Carter in that facet. In terms of the rest of the Jets offense, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Elijah Moore. We've kind of heard all these positive reports coming out of camp. Um, out of, Jets over by week talking about moving him to the slot more, which was somewhere where he absolutely dominated whilst he was in college. But and you know, Elijah Moore saying he's not thinking about the past now, he's just looking forward. So it'd be great to see a positive performance from him. New England ranked fourth against wide receiver ones, which spells kind of bad news for Garrett Wilson, but they ranked 23rd against wide receiver twos. So I'm not quite sure I'll be playing Elijah Moore myself this week in many spots, but it doesn't seem like a bad matchup for him. Yeah, and if you want to take a chance on him to score with the positive reports, he's at plus 850 for any time touchdown. So a uh, decent payout there if you want to take a, take a little chance on Elijah Moore coming out of the bye. Now for New England, you're starting Ramondre Stevenson. Any good wide receiver plays outside of really Jacoby Myers has been the most consistent. Uh, and this New York Jets defense is very good. Yeah, I don't think there's any uh, New England players who I'd look to start. I think, you know, if you need to start Jacoby Myers, you can. But Sauce Gardner just looks to be one of the very best corners in the league right now, let alone one of the best rookies. Um, and then after him, it all just becomes quite messy, really. So, yeah, it's entirely possible somebody pops up with a reasonable game. But try to decipher that for your fantasy teams feels like fool's gold to me. Yeah, going to be a tough one for New England. Uh, coming out, though, Bill Belichick coming out of the bye there. Uh, we know how good of a coach he is. 
I still I like the Jets to cover in this one. We know Zach Wilson had a bad game last time with three interceptions, but it was still a close game. The Jets defense, again, top 10 against both the pass and the rush. New England's third overall, but very susceptible to the run game, which the Jets uh, do very well and like to do. And I lean with the under here, even at 38 points, just because both of those defenses are good. Zach Wilson, Mac Jones haven't looked great and really blown anyone out of the water. So I, I like Jets to cover uh, and win the game at plus three. And then the the under 38, what do you like in this one? I'm on the New England side of things, as much as it pains me to ever be on <laughs> Bill Belichick's side. Like it's, you know, he's just too good against this type of quarterback. And I feel like you – know, in New England, this is not the kind of game that the Jets win. I, I really would like them to, but uh, I don't see it. And I lean just on the over, just because I think there's enough good skill position players in this game that they can just creep into the 40s. Going into a game that a lot of people, I think, could be an absolute shootout this week, uh, is the Chicago Bears, plus three at Atlanta, 49 points. I put it plain, still, both defenses are bad. Atlanta's 30th overall. 29th against the pass, 25th against the rush. Chicago's 29th overall, 30th against the pass, 26th versus the rush. Not a lot to like there. You can start just about everyone in this game probably, <laughs> right, Tom? I think you can definitely start your Chicago side of things easily. I mean, Justin Fields, he's been averaging 34.8 DraftKings points per week over the last few weeks. Um, you know, his salary's jumped up by 2500 since week six, but you could argue that he's still underpriced because he keeps ripping off these 40-point games. Um, you know, he's thrown for multiple touchdowns in three games running, which was something earlier on in the season was really frustrating. You weren't getting the rushing output and you weren't getting the touchdowns either. And that's benefit Cole Kamau now has five touchdowns in three weeks after none in his previous 28. Atlanta allowed 26 most fantasy points to tight ends, so you can feel confident with him. Feels like Darnell Mooney is going to pop up with one of these big, long touchdowns at some point, or at least some big, long catches. We keep almost connecting on them. Uh, David Montgomery now that Khalil Herbert's on IR which hurt me and my best ball teams deeply but you know we've seen him be that featured running back before Atlanta ranks 22nd in rush defense DVOA over the last few weeks for just allowed Donna Foreman to have two games over 100 rushing yards so you can start him with confidence on the Atlanta side of things I mean I don't think I can back Kyle Pitts to ever be a good start anymore. It just feels too difficult. Drake London last week, you watched that game and he didn't have any targets. Oh, I think he had one target before the two-minute warning and then he did get more involved. And he had his second highest receiving total since week three, but it was only 38 yards, so it really becomes difficult there. I do think Marcus Mariota is somebody who could be a sneaky start this weekend. He's averaging 17.8 fantasy points. And Chicago have allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks over the last three games. If you're brave enough to start one of the running backs, then I completely get it because the Bears' rushing defense is poor. They've lost Roquan Smith now. But try to decipher what Arthur Smith's doing there is just fool's gold. It's like, you know, anytime someone becomes slightly fantasy relevant, Arthur Smith just squashes it straight away. He does not have any of his uh, his own players on his fantasy teams, it seems like. But Mariota was a guy as well. I highlighted him as uh, a waiver wire pickup this week for quarterbacks. One, there's really not a lot out there on the waiver wire for quarterbacks, but he, he has been decent lately. And like you said, the, the rushing upside against the bad Bears uh, rush defense really all together. I think I'd have a, a good game. What do you like uh, for the spread of the game? So I'll let you go first on this one against Chicago, plus three and a 49-point total. 
Yeah, I mean, Chicago have been playing really well and they've been loads of fun, but they just haven't quite gotten over the hump yet. But against Atlanta, I'd back about just about any team in the league to beat them. So I've gone with Chicago to cover and win. And uh, I've gone with the under on this one because although it could turn into an explosive game, it also feels like Atlanta could just lay an egg. Moving on to another one that is not exciting, probably one of the least appetizing games of the weekend, the Rams plus three and a half at New Orleans, 39-point total on this one. The devastating injury with Cooper Cup going on IR for fantasy managers, possibly missing the rest of the year the way that their season is going. Really nothing to like about this offense, but maybe Kyron Williams getting more involved and maybe he can break out later and take hold of that role, even though it's been hard for running backs to find any room in that offense, but he does catch passes. Yeah, and I think it seems clear that the team want him to take that kind of third down pass catching role from the other running backs, but it's just such a miserable offense. I mean, you know, Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson combined for 12 carries for 43 yards. Like over the last few weeks, we've been averaging 63 rushing yards in the last three games. I pulled this stat earlier this week. There's been 227 instances of a running back rushing for 50 or more yards this season. The Rams are responsible for just two of them. So oh, it's wow. like that team can't run the ball. And it just, I, you know, if you're in a pinch, I do get started those guys, but they're not people I'm particularly keen to do so. Yeah. And what about uh, Tyler Higby, Allen Robinson? Do you, if Stafford is back, I've seen kind of some reports. They're still waiting for him to clear, uh, I believe, and they're not sure if he's going to start yet. Yeah, I think, you know, the hope would be that Alan Robinson would move into the slot and he'd see some of the kind of targets that Cooper Cup was getting. Obviously, you can't do as much with the ball after the catch mm-hmm. as Cooper Cup can. But, you know, if you're playing PPR where it's a volume-based game, then definitely. Tyler Higby had his first double-digit fantasy performance since week five, which was good to see. But, yeah, yeah, if you're in a pinch, then you can stream him definitely, even more so if it's a case of... Um, Matthew Stafford coming back. And then Ben Skarnick, he set a season high in targets with seven, but he only caught two. So like that's real deep sleeper territory for me. Yeah, not great. Higby's receiving yard set at 42 and a half. Uh, you mentioned the big game last week at eight for 73. Robinson, 49 and a half yards. Hasn't hit this in three weeks, but he did hit it in two in a row at that point. And if he takes over and is able to get more uh, more high high quality looks, maybe he can can get over that number. As far as the Saints, I know I'm one of the people that's holding on to Taysom Hill in season long because I've got the room and basically in case they name him the starter and you can plug him in at the tight end position. What's your take on the really the Saints, their QB situation, the offense? Anything you like in this game at all? Well, I think it's going to end up being James Winston at some point because Andy Dolan just seems to be on thin ice and it just, it you know, it – isn't good at the minute underneath him ever since you go back to the Ravens game where the wheels fell off and then you look at last week's game against the Steelers. It just felt like the Saints really should have been winning those games. And I think this one, with it being in New Orleans, they'd probably like to bat themselves to have a decent chance. You know, Chris Olave had his worst fantasy performance of the season in week 10. He had seven PPR points. And I think, you know, it's possible that that is in part due to Jarvis Landry coming back and soaking up some targets. But I'd back Chris Olave, even if James Winston was the starter. If Taysom Hill was the starter, then I'd be a lot more concerned about his fantasy output going forward. I mean, you know, Taysom Hill, he's had sort of less than 10 pass attempts this season. Yeah, he's completed most of them because... but. 
because of the nature of them sometimes are a bit yeah. easier because of the play design so I think for me I'd prefer it went back to Winston and we saw some of those deep shots down the field to Chris Olave yeah but how, does that worry you for Kamara I know he wasn't as doing well with Kamara because Winston doesn't check down as much as Dalton but last year it seemed like Kamara was really good with Jameis Winston yeah I think I think that's one where at the minute because Mark Ingram's injured and they've just signed David Johnson who you know in the nicest possible way, looks a little bit dusty these days. Um, I'm not too, as long as Kamara's staying on the field and seeing a high amount of snaps all the time, then I think that Kamara can get there one way or another. Uh, we've seen over the last two weeks, he's played over 75% snaps in both games, whereas earlier in the year when Mark Ingram was playing, that was down below 70 quite often. So hopefully he can still stay on that sort of all every down roll. Yeah, if you all haven't been able to tell so far, this is really an ugly game. Uh, overall, looking at the betting side too, I mean, uh, first of all, I lean towards the under, even at 39 points with the two really inept offenses that just haven't really been able to do much of anything. And then I lean the Saints mostly because Cooper Cup was the only offense for the Rams, and I think I don't think things are going to get better when he's gone. They maybe will spread it around a little bit more. Um, but I – going to lean with the Saints there as uh, three and a half point underdogs. I think they pull it out. I'm going to lean slightly different on this one. I think I think that this is a game which sets up really well for the Rams defense. I think they've been getting better in recent weeks. So I've gone for the Saints to cover. Uh, I'm sorry, no. Sorry, I've gone for the Rams to cover and to win the game and just creep on the over. But I really expect the Rams defense to be playing a pivotal role in it. Now, moving on to life without Cooper Cup for those Rams, at least for the next four weeks. Moving on to Detroit at the New York Giants. Detroit is plus three. There's a 45-point total here. DeAndre Swift, he's getting limited touches, but he's finding ways to get into the end zone to at least pay off a little bit. But can we keep starting him? It's hard to imagine he remains as efficient as he has been scoring touchdowns on just very few touches. So at the minute, he's priced 6100 which is right next to David Montgomery. So if you were looking for a low-owned, uh, low-rostered player for this week, then I'd imagine Swift will come at an absolute fraction of the ownership of David Montgomery. And there's definitely a will where you could see Justin Fields scores the touchdowns and Montgomery's just picking up rushing yards. And then DeAndre Swift goes off for a big day and it turns into the kind of play that wins you a lot of money. But He's just such a frustrating player to watch lately. Like, you know, every week Dan Campbell comes out and hypes him up and talks about how they want to get him a bit more involved. And then it's like next to nothing going on. So, yeah, it's it's definitely tricky. I think, you know, I think the Giants are the kind of team who you shouldn't be afraid of starting anyone against because even though their defense has played well at times, they're, you know, they're not quite as threatening as some of the other teams. Yep. And on the offensive side for the Giants, Saquon Barkley has been great this year. But I think you like a couple other plays in this game for them as well. Yeah, so I'm kind of leaning towards Daniel Jones a little bit. I think, you know, in the last couple of weeks, the Lions allowed 147 rushing yards to Justin Fields, which is obviously the big ceiling end of the spectrum. But they also allowed Aaron Rodgers to run for 40 yards on them. Uh, they've allowed the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks this season. So, you know, Daniel Jones, he's playing so much better than he used to. He's not turning over the ball. Like he's only got two interceptions on the season, which is tied for the fewest with Tom Brady. And he's just 
he's holding on to the ball. He's not fumbling as often. So I quite like him. He's uh, 5,600, I think. And then Darius Slayton, who got the big 54-yard touchdown last week. That was his fourth double-digit performance in five games. And he's averaged 12.3 DraftKings points and surpassed 14 twice. So, you know, the Giants pass catchers aren't a pretty group, but we kind of hoped that one day Robinson would turn into Sterling Shepard 2.0, but it hasn't really happened. Daniel Bellinger has been on IR and nothing else is really going on at tight end. So, you know, Darius Slayton at least catches the ball, unlike Kenny Golladay. Now, what about your take uh, on the, the betting side of this? Detroit, again, plus three. We got a 45-point total. I quite like Detroit here. I'm not sure why I'm kind of leaning that way, but I just feel, you know, they won against Chicago on the road last week and maybe coming into New York, they're going to be riding high a little bit and maybe they can pull out another win. Um, but I am going with the under because 45 feels a little bit high for these two teams. Moving on to Washington at Houston. Commanders, three-point favorites, 41-point total here. Now, Antonio Gibson almost wasn't really even in the running back room for Washington. A lot of talk about him returning punts and kind of being pushed out with Brian Robinson coming in. He had the unfortunate incident right before the season. He's back. But Antonio Gibson's getting a lot of run uh, lately, getting a pretty good amount of usage. Is it enough to play him in daily fantasy? I think so. I think he's probably – a play who I'll be playing quite a bit this weekend because, you know, whereas Brian Robinson's getting a lot of the carries still, Gibson's averaging 4.1 targets per game over the last six weeks. And that's just not an area where they look to get Brian Robinson involved. And it was kind of surprising to see how involved Brian Robinson was last week with 26 rush attempts, but he's still not good with them. Like he rushes for 3.3 yards per carry whilst Gibson's rushing for 3.7 And it just seems like teams take notice of those little incremental details where one player is just playing slightly better. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Gibson do more of that work this week. I think really the best player will turn out to be whichever one gets touchdowns, but we've seen both of them be involved around the goal line. Yeah, Brian Robinson was actually uh, the one, the the guy that I picked to have a big fantasy day in our staff picks, just because, like I said, he got the volume last week. He only went for 83 yards on 26 touches. But against Houston defense that we know has been gashed by the run, I think the volume will be enough. He'll get into the end zone uh, at least once. Both of these guys could, like you said. Robinson's rush yards at 63 and a half. It's a boost uh, to his efficiency, I think, facing the Texans. Gibson's at 46 and a half. He had 44 last week. Both of them were set at 33 and a half. And on the Monday recap with Mike, Mike Tanier, we picked – uh, I liked both of them to go over in that game because they were kind of split in touches, and they both did. So you could take either one of those guys. I think both of those guys could get over those again this week against Houston. On the other side, though, it could be a tough game for Damian Pierce. Washington's second in DVOA against the run, but they're only 20th in pass DVOA, so it seems like a good spot for Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins, right? Yeah, definitely. And just like what you were saying about Damian Pierce, like last week, the 44-yard run really bolstered his stats. He had 13, which were held below five yards. Um, Nico Collins, someone I kind of lean towards here. He's, you know, he had his best performance of the year last week with 15.9 PPR points. He's averaged six targets per game over his last four games. Uh, And it just kind of sets up into one of those games, which I feel like he'll do well in. I think he's uh, 4,100 on DraftKings this week, so about as cheap as it come, really. Looking at the betting side of this one, the Washington offense has been better with Taylor Heineke under center. Still not great. Houston get dead last overall DVOA, bottom five in offense and defense. 
I think Washington covers the three points here. I'm going the under just because I don't think Houston's going to score enough against Washington. That offense just not really not great. Again, bottom five in offense, and that Washington defense has been playing pretty well lately. Uh, again, being able to stop the run really well uh, here for really the most of the season. I'm going with Washington as well, but just going with you over. I think, you know, 24-20 seems attainable for these teams. So that takes us into Carolina at Baltimore. Panthers, 13-point underdogs, 41-point total here. How do you feel about this Panthers offense with Baker Mayfield back under center now? I mean, Baker Mayfield showed earlier in the season that he's just, you know, he's not a good quarterback really unless everything is right around him when he was with the Browns and they had a real elite O-line around him. He was able to be adequate at times, but he wasn't able to elevate anything. And then in Carolina where there just seems to be so many little issues and he hasn't seemed to have settled well into the scheme, doesn't seem to have any chemistry with DJ Moore. I just, I'm not expecting a particularly great game out of him. Um, I think he's, lost five games to the Ravens and won three in his career in the AFC North. So it's not like he doesn't know this Ravens team and know what's coming at him, but it's a different defensive scheme this year. And he's playing in arguably a worse team than he was with the Browns for the last few games he played against them. And it just becomes very hard. Like I think I'm past trying to guess when DJ Moore can be a good player anymore. I mean, you could probably talk yourself into maybe starting Terrace Marshall because we have seen Baker display that kind of deep YOLO ball when he was playing with uh, Hollywood Higgins back in uh, in Cleveland. and But, yeah, it's just not a particularly appealing one. I think Donna Foreman's probably the best player out of a lot of them. He had a 71% opportunity share last week, and uh, he's just looked like a really good player the last couple of weeks. Yep, and then talking quarterbacks, too, on the other side, Lamar Jackson – they probably should be a favorite for overall QB1 this week, or at least competing with Justin Fields the way he's been playing. Yeah, I think sometimes the danger with Lamar, it's kind of like Jalen Hurts. When the teams don't push these guys into it, you don't get those true ceiling outcomes. But uh, the Panthers allowed 43 rushing yards to Marcus Mariota in both games that he played against them. So he came really with 86 cross or two. So it's not an area which they're particularly good at defending. I think you can start Mark Andrews if he gets in a couple more limited practices. If Isaiah Likely is the main tight end, then he's only 3,600. He's at back-to-back games with touchdowns. And I'd even be looking at Devin Duvernay as somebody who you can start because going into the bye, Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator, said that they need to get him more consistently involved. And before that last game, before the bye, Duvernay was averaging 4.8 targets a game. And we see these kind of high-value offenses. Sometimes that can be all it takes. Yeah, and Lamar on the ground, you mentioned Mariota being able to get 43 in each. The rushing yards for Lamar set at 61 and a half. He had 82 last game out, only over 60 once in the prior four, uh, but has a good shot against Panthers defense uh, to go over that. And do you still trust uh, Andrews in DFS? You mentioned season long starting him, but in daily, do you trust him coming off the injury? Would you pay up for him? Yeah, I think so because his price has actually dropped quite a little bit now. So he's down at 6,800 when he had been creeping into the 8,000s. Um, you know, aside from the games where he got banged up, you look at the first uh, sort of six games of the season, he was averaging 9.5 targets per game and 19 PPR points. Yep. That's the kind of slate-breaking selection that you know can really make a difference because people don't like paying up at tight end. 
and you get him as you mentioned at a bit of a discount this week for a guy who's consistently one of the top top tight ends in fantasy now we got a big spread on this one carolina plus 13 41 point total a pretty low total there what are you like in this one you're gonna go with your home team yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if it, if this was in Carolina, I could talk my way into it. But like, it just things don't seem good there. And uh, I'll back the Ravens coming off the bye and being fresh. Cleveland plus seven and a half at Buffalo, forty-two point total. This one's very tricky due to the weather. From what I read when I was kind of prepping for this, multiple feet of snow expected could move the venue, but the snow was Thursday through Saturday, I think. So it may not be actually coming down the day of the game. But up to four, four or five feet of snow is a lot of snow to move uh, before a game on Sunday. How does this affect the players in the game? Does it change a lot for you? I imagine it probably does. I think if we get to the game and like, you know, Sunday morning, we're seeing all these pictures on NFL Network and ESPN of huge amounts of snow on the field then it'll definitely turn into a game where you want to be playing the defenses of those. You want to be playing the running backs and they'll be incredibly popular picks. But if it's one of those where they start, you know, the stadium's full of snow, but the actual field itself looks okay, then I would lean towards playing the pass catchers. We've seen Josh Allen in literally like, not hurricanes, but in high-level winds, still be able to get the passing game going. So I'd be fine with them. I mean, Josh Allen's at 80-plus rushing yards in back-to-back games, so you could probably start him regardless of the snow. Um, Into Gabe Davis, Cleveland ranked 25th against wide receiver twos, so I'd have no problem starting him. And then on the other side of things, for the Browns, you know, Jacoby Brissett, it just seems to be – he seems to be tailing off a little bit. Amari Cooper, his home road splits are just getting even more pronounced. Like now he averages 5.8 PPR points on the road, whereas when he's at home, he's averaged 21.1. So it's just really vast. And, you know, he won't get to sleep in his own bed this Saturday night. But looking at the the game side of this, like you mentioned, if snow's a major impact, hard to see really a lot of scoring. I think a lot slower game. Uh, so I would, would lean with the under there at 42 points. Um, not not often you say that with Buffalo involved in a game, uh, but that could be a factor. Cleveland could hang around in that if that's the case. If it's clear the day of, like you said, and the, the field is clear and they're able to kind of play a normal game, I like Buffalo to cover in the over in that situation. Kind of similar to that Miami game last week where they just put up a bunch of points. Cleveland's able to get a couple scores, but uh, not a lot to love about Cleveland this week. Yeah, I've I've led with Buffalo on this side. We've seen them shut down Derrick Henry well earlier on in the season, and Nick Chubb is probably kind of similar in some regards to him. I've gone with the under in case it is played in Buffalo, but if it gets moved to Detroit, as there's a bit of talk about doing, then I would probably lean with the over with it being in the nice dome. Going out west, Las Vegas, plus two and a half at Denver. 41-point total here. Uh, Vegas is just bad. Uh, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs seem like probably the only players worth playing for the Raiders at this point. Yep, definitely. Uh, last time these two teams met, Josh Jacobs had 34.5 PPR points, like 140 on the ground, two touchdowns, five catches. Devontae Adams had 19 PPR points that day. So, you know, they're both smashes. I think, you know, Jacobs set a season high in targets last week with eight and you know, Raiders just desperately try to move the ball without Renfro and Waller. So they're definitely smashes. I think on the other side of things, 
Russ's only good performance of the year for the Broncos came in the reverse of this fixture where he scored 31.4 fantasy points. And that's the only time he's been over 20 fantasy points this season. So, you know, you can kind of imagine a scenario where he does all right again because the Raiders' defense just isn't very good. I do like Cortland Sutton with KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy looking set to miss out. Um, and then Greg Dulcich as well. I know he let people down last week with just one catch for 11 yards. But if you're looking for a tight end under $4,000, he's somebody we saw it across the three games before the bye that he can be a really good player. And looking at the betting side of this one, there's not a lot to like about either team. I think this could be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I've gone with Denver as well, but I've just creeped into the overs. I seem to just be siding on the overs this weekend. Yep. So hopefully we'll just get lots of fantasy points. Cincinnati minus four at Pittsburgh, 41 point total. And Pittsburgh defense is tough with TJ Watt. He's a difference maker, which we all know came back last week for the first time since week one, had their top defensive performance of the league in week 10. It was their best performance since that week one game against Cincinnati. Joe Burrow had a bad game against them, a lot of interceptions. Uh, are you shying away from him or are you trusting him with, with Watt back and then Minka Fitzpatrick possibly back as well? Yeah, I think you can definitely pile on to. Joe Burrow, he's quite cheap this weekend. Uh, I think he's down to around 6,000, which is, you know, very, very good price for someone of his skill. And he's 6,800, so it's not quite as cheap as a foot. But I think you can definitely stack him with T. Higgins, who looks set to have another week as the wide receiver one. You know, if you remove week one where he had a really quiet week ever since he's averaged 76 receiving yards per game and you know this Pittsburgh defense loves second most fantasy points to receivers so I don't mind stacking Joe Burrow with T Higgins I think that's something which a few people will hope has sneaky upside um, I think you know aside from that you start in the obvious choices if you need to start Hayden Hurst you need to start him Tyler Boyd at a stretch um, but yeah yeah, Joe Mixon had a, a huge game his last time out, the five-touchdown game against Carolina. Had a decent game against Pittsburgh in week one. Uh, really was his best game there for a while. Uh, had been kind of disappointing. So, yeah, you've got to start him any week, too, like you said, those type of guys. On the Pittsburgh side, Pat Fryermuth has been heavily involved. Uh, starting him, he, he's heavily targeted. But George Pickens is someone that we kind of expected a lot more out of, especially since the Chase Claypool trade. Are you kind of giving up on him given his quarterback situation? or sticking with him because Kenny Pickett really looked to him a lot earlier in the year? Yeah, I mean, he's he's 5,200, which feels a little pricey for a receiver who hasn't really kind of hit the ceilings that we want. I mean, he had 14.5 DraftKings points last week, which was aided by the rushing um, touchdown where he kind of like just flopped into the end zone. 18.1 fantasy points in week seven. In week eight, he goose-egged against the Eagles. So I don't mind it. I think if you're playing T. Higgins and Joe Burrow stacks, then he's fine to add in as a bring-back. But he's probably not going to be as interesting and not as highly rostered as he was before the bye. Looking at the game side of this, Cincinnati minus four. Uh, this is at Pittsburgh, 41-point total. What do you like there? I've gone with uh, the Bengals. It just feels like they're kind of getting right now and they need a division win. I think they're 0-3 so far or maybe 0-2. Um, so I've gone with them to win this one. But uh, And again, I've gone with the over. Going on to maybe the game of the week. Both of these teams went to overtime last week. Dallas minus one at Minnesota, 47.5 point total. A lot of plays in this one. So 
Who are your favorite plays on the Dallas side this week? Yeah, I really do like the Dallas side of this one. I think like we saw last week the Cowboys passing game looked the best it has all season. We had the most passing yards and touchdowns of any game this season. That Prescott threw the ball 17 more times than at any other point. And whilst that might not be quite what they want to do, particularly if Zeke's back and they sort of veer a little more run heavy, it was really good to see CD Lamb having like a real explosion week. Uh, you know, he's combined for almost 60 DraftKings points in his last two games. Dalton Schultz has quietly gotten back to being a really good fantasy tight end. He's finishes the tight end 12, 6, and 3 over his last three games and averaged 14 DK points in that period. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, you know what you're getting with the Cowboys. It doesn't seem like Michael Gallup's going to be quite as good as perhaps hoped for, but I don't mind starting him in DraftKings stacks. I think in terms of Tony Pollard, it's going to be tricky to see him go back to not getting quite as much work as he used to. He's priced at 6,500, which is 500 more than Elliot. And it's very easy to see Elliot get quite a, quite a few carries to the point where it just eats into what Pollard's ceiling is. Looking at the Minnesota side of things, we saw Green Bay run the ball a ton on Dallas. Do you like Dalvin Cook again this week? You think Minnesota maybe tries to do the same and offset that Cowboys pass rush? He's been pretty consistent for most of the year. I don't mind Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I think like, you know, we've not seen quite the reception ceiling that we might have hoped given all the camp reports and the talk of him lining up in the slot, which is always a trope and we should just never fall for it. But <laughs> over the last three games, he's had 17 targets. So like... He is being utilized there, whereas earlier on in the season, he dropped out again, like one or two a game. Uh, and he's been given us some of those big weeks recently. So in the last five weeks, he's had 26 points, 15 points, 28 points, 13 points, 26 points. So I don't hate it. I think it just always becomes, is this going to be a Justin Jefferson week or is it going to be a Dalvin Cook week? Um, and yeah, I think, you know, if you are paying up for running back, Cook's the third highest price running back on the slate. And I think a lot of people will see Jonathan Taylor for $200 cheaper and play him or Josh Jacobs for $500 cheaper instead. And, you know, in those situations, being different by spending more can often pay off. Looking at the betting side, as Amanda mentioned, minus one, it's close to a pick basically with the Cowboys favored by one point. Vikings, I don't think it's it's uh, anyone would disagree with saying that they got lucky late last week winning that game. They were down big till late in the third quarter. We know what happened on the Josh Allen QB sneak in the end zone. Dallas was in control most of the game but struggled late. I do believe in Minnesota as a contender, uh, but even on the road, something in me thinks Dallas is going to come out. Their, their defense has been better. Again, they struggled a little bit last week, but – I like Dallas to come out and and prove that they're here for real as well. And then over 47 and a half, even with the defense, I think that Minnesota offense is good enough to put up some points too. I've gone the opposite side of things. I've gone with the Vikings. I just think in their building, and I think because of all the things you're saying about the Cowboys want to prove, I think the Vikings want to prove that it doesn't just take luck, and they did do really well in many facets of the game. So hopefully this can be the Vikings show that they really mean business. Move on, just two games left. Sunday night football is the Chargers again. Kansas City minus six, six at L.A. this time. They met up in week two of this year. Uh, Chargers, uh, it's got a 51-point total on this game. Story of this game is wide receiver injuries. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster likely out. Miko Hardman, I think, did return to practice today. Not sure if he'll play, though. 
And then on the other side, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams may be back. We don't really know. They were, I think, participating in individual drills yesterday, or that is on uh, on Wednesday. How are you playing this game with all the uncertainty with those receivers? I think it's a tricky game. I think it's one where, you know, this charges – Defense is one that you like to target with running backs, but the Chiefs running backs seems to be quite messy. It seems like they really want Isaiah Pacheco to take the role and run with it. He had 16 attempts last week, but he wasn't getting any work in the passing game and he didn't get any touchdowns, so it doesn't really become a very valuable role for us. It's just, you know, he's just moving the ball. Uh, So I think it sounds like MVS might be in as well, in which case he's somebody I'd consider playing. I think Kadarius Tony's definitely going to be in play. And if you play in the Sunday night showdown slates, I would imagine Kadarius Tony is very popular because he's been very productive on very few routes run. Um, in terms of the Chargers side of things, I think you can probably play Josh Palmer again if he plays. I'd struggle to want to play just about anybody else. Uh, I feel like, you know, Austin Eckler's fine. We know that he can have these big games, but the Chiefs defense has really picked up in the last few weeks and we've been pretty stingy in terms of what fantasy points they've allowed. You mentioned Isaiah Pacheco wanting to get going there or them wanting to get Pacheco going was a popular waiver wire pickup this week. Overall, though, that team, the Chiefs, they're just kind of rolling right now, business as usual. Uh, yeah. What do you expect uh, from the game with them as six-point favorites? you like them to cover? Yeah, I like them. I think, uh, you know, Chiefs are going. Patrick Mahomes is making his case that he should be the clear favorite for the MVP. And it just feels like they're going to walk all the way to another bye. Uh, Herbert, too, hasn't looked great without his wide receivers. Mahomes was still great last week without his. So I'm with you. He's looking like the best in the league right now. I do think the Chiefs cover. This one hit exactly 51 in week two, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to go under in this one given the injuries and perhaps more running and you mentioned the the Chiefs defense haven't picked up a little bit lately and LA just really struggling without their their top pass catchers so at 51 I think uh, the Chiefs keep the Chargers low enough that that this one stays under and then going on to last one of the week the Monday nighter San Francisco minus eight at Arizona 43 and a half point total and this one is in Mexico uh, down south of the border here in the U.S. biggest point of discussion here is that San Francisco backfield splits. Uh, Kyle Shanahan mentioned after the game that they want Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell to get split carries. How does this impact your value on Christian McCaffrey moving forward when playing him in uh, DFS and for a season long? I don't think that what we saw last week is going to really be sticky over time. I do think, you know, I think there's an argument that if Elijah Mitchell hadn't been injured, then the, the Niners never would have gone out and traded for McCaffrey. But I think, you know, they know what they've got in McCaffrey. They know how explosive he can be. Last week, he was only rushing for 2.7 yards per carry, so it wasn't like he was really getting going. But I feel like there's going to be games where he really does get going, and this feels like one of them. Uh, The Cardinals' defense, you know, they're okay, but it just feels like the kind of game where they can be dinked and dunked on, and McCaffrey will just hoover up maybe eight targets or so. Yeah, we saw him get the targets last week. That was the the positive that came out of that was he got, I believe, five targets to Elijah Mitchell's one last week. Looking at the wide receiver room, is Brandon Ayuk now wide receiver one in San Francisco? Debo Samuel's production and usage has been pretty disappointing so far. I think so, and I think you definitely have to consider him as that until we see otherwise. Um, yeah, he's been reliable. He's been used down the field. It, 
pains me the same as a trade Lance Truffer, but Jimmy's playing as good as he's played, in my opinion, over the last few years. Uh, going back to Debo, who you mentioned, he had his most rushing attempt since week two with four, and he turned it in 27 yards. But he's just not giving you anywhere near what you needed from a second round pick. Like he's earned just 22 fantasy points through rushing work this year which is last year, well, he had 74 points. So he's like about a third of the pace of where he was. And um, so, yeah, I think Ayuk's fine. I think, you know, if you need, you know, it's very difficult to bench Debo. So I would start him because all it takes is that kind of work and a couple of broken plays. And then, you know, he's turning into a great night, but it's very difficult. I think every week we want to be looking to start tight ends against Arizona because we're just so, bad against them. They can't defend them at all. They've given up the second most fantasy points on the season to the position, the third most fantasy points over the last three weeks to the position. So George Kittle maybe has one of those big eruption games. Yeah, and on the other side, tight end uh, Zach Ertz out for the year, unfortunately. Uh, sounds like sounds like Marquise Brown uh, is returning this week from, from what I've heard. What do you like about this Cardinals offense, though, if Kyler Murray is out yet again? Yeah, I think you can definitely lean back in James Conner, who played 95% of snaps last week. Uh, he only trailed Rondale Moore among skill players, and they seem to really just be hitching the wagon to him. He had 23 points in PPR. Eno Benjamin was cut after apparently getting into a disagreement about playing time with Cliff Kingsbury. And it just seems clear that Conner, as long as he's healthy, will get a huge amount of work. Trey McBride is somebody that I don't mind taking a chance on. I haven't seen showdown pricing for him, but he set a season high in uh, snaps last week at 91%, and we've seen this offense run through the tight end at times. If it's not uh, Kyler Murray, I think you, you have to start DeAndre Hopkins. He did quite well last week, and you know it's a tough pass defense that he's coming up against, but sometimes you just got to start your studs. What do you like on the side for uh, game-wise? San Francisco, eight-point favorites in the division there. It's at Arizona, but again, it's in Mexico, so neutral site game there with a 43-and-a-half-point total. Yeah, so I've gone with uh, Arizona to cover. Eight feels a little too high. Maybe part of that's based on the uncertainty around Kyler Murray. But this Cardinals team, they've been – semi-competent at times so i've gone with arizona cover san francisco to win and the over a hit because it just feels like you know this could be a fun environment so that does it for our week 11 show before we go don't forget you can get a free 100 dollars from underdog fantasy using promo code outsiders they'll match your first deposit up to 100 also don't forget to sign up for fo plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe for nfl betting picks fantasy advice premium stats and articles, an ad-free experience, and you get access to all the data on Monday every week instead of having to wait until Tuesday. Join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game all day Sunday, Monday night, and Thursday night. And then one programming note, we will not have a show next uh, next week. Tom will have an article up on the site, though, DFS article covering the Thanksgiving slate individually, and then his regular article coming out covering uh, the rest of the games for the week. There are no teams on by next week. So got a couple big articles coming and we'll have some short form videos out trying to cover each game uh, ahead of the Thanksgiving weekend. So enjoy the action this week. Hope all your fantasy teams win this week and hope you hit all your bets. Tom, we'll see you next time.